thank you for uh, joining me on the Panhandle Primate Podcast. I'm your host, Dexter Kearley. This is the fifth show, uh, Taylor Waddell. I had a great uh, talk with him. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was it was cool, man. It was like really one of the first times I felt like I was really podcasting, whatever that means. Um, but it was fun. We had a great conversation. We had some good talks on the air and off the air. We kind of chilled for a little while um, off the air, you know, after the show was done and it was a lot of fun. It was uh, good to really finally get to sit down with him. I've I've met him or known him in crossing and passing a lot, you know. So it was good to really get to sit down and have a good conversation. It was a lot of fun. But I've got a few uh, a few notes to cover uh, in a, a quick little intro here. But uh, one thing I was going to say is I put a new um, short story section up on my website. Uh, I did a writing competition, a sci-fi writing competition for XPRIZE, which is a pretty cool concept. You could make up any story you wanted. It had a prompt that said you were transport. You got on a plane from Tokyo, Japan to San Francisco, and you're teleported 20 years into the future, and you have to write a short story, highlight. I mean, it was like it's technically propaganda, I guess. They want you to highlight technological advances and possible things for people to look forward to, uh, and you know, into the future. Um, a positive, sl- like slant, not a dystopian uh, type concept. So, I wrote a little positive story there, and uh, I put it up on the website because I did not win. If I had won, I wouldn't have been able to publish it on my website. But I didn't win, so I'm going to publish it. Why not? Um, I'm also going to put the short story I wrote for my creative writing class up there. So if you got a little bit of time to kill and you want to give it a read, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, The next thing is I'm trying to plan a podcast meetup in Amarillo. So this would be for anybody who's ever said, I heard on this podcast one time, or you should listen to this podcast Anybody who said either of those two words or two sentences belongs at this podcast meetup. Uh, it's just going to be for <clears throat> anybody, any podcast. Uh, I th- while I'm playing around with the idea right now is like bringing out those, uh, you know, like Alcoholics Anonymous or these different places. They give you uh, name tag stickers. And I was thinking I could do that for this podcast meetup so you put your name on it and your top three podcasts that you listen to the goal of course being to meet with other listeners that people that listen to the same podcast that you listen to in amarillo um i know like the liturgist podcast has a huge following the duncan trussell podcast tangentially speaking which is one of my favorite podcasts i'm not sure that there's a, a following uh although my guest today, Taylor Waddell, he actually listens to that podcast as well, Chris Ryan. So that was another interesting overlap that m- both he and I shared. You know, we, we listened to the same podcast. Um, anyway, the, the idea, the concept is, hey, I'm going to show up. I'm going to write my name, the top three podcasts, and I might stumble around drinking a beer and run into somebody else who likes one or two of the same podcasts and just to talk. I mean, just to get to know each other. 
Uh, I think I've never actually gotten to go to a live podcast uh, broadcast, podcast broadcast. Um, but I've taught uh, Taylor has. He said it was really cool. He went to a Duncan Trussell live. And I've talked to several other people who have gone to several other shows, and they say that that's like a really cool experience just to meet other people that have probably listened to hours and hours of the same content. It'd be fun to meet up. It'd be fun to get to know each other. And the worst case is drink a few beers, right? So I'm, I'm looking for input. Uh, I'm not the most organized person, and I don't necessarily make things happen like this. So I'm looking for anybody who would like to help with the organizi- organizing of it <clears throat> or some of ironing out some of the details. Um, but just let me know if you're interested in that. If no one's interested in it, you know, it might just be a couple of us meeting up and drinking a couple of beers. But I'm hoping to find a location somewhere in Amarillo, whether it be a restaurant, uh, maybe a restaurant that's uh maybe renting out a space i don't know i don't know how many people are interested in this so if you are interested in it seriously contact me like not just like oh maybe contact him i i don't think my audience size is very big so if you're actually listening to this you're one of the people i'm saying to contact me so anyway if you if you have anything contact me um also the panel primate podcast page on facebook I've started it recently, and uh, I'm hoping that it will, if you're a listener of this podcast or if you just enjoy podcasts or a little community and based, probably based out of Amarillo, I don't know how big it will spread or if, if, we'll, if we have anybody from out of city on it. But anyway, it's just going to be a place for people to share what I'm thinking is showcase episodes. So, for instance, if I'm telling somebody, hey, you need to listen to the Joe Rogan experience, I'm going to pull out very specific shows. Like, there's five shows that you should listen to if you've never listened to it before. Or same thing with Duncan Trussell or Radio Lab or any of the podcasts I listen to. I like the showcase episodes. This is a great episode. You're not – there's no uh, intricacies of the show. It's just a great show or episode, whatever. Um so that's what the idea is. If you if you want me to listen to a podcast, put your favorite episode up there. I'll listen to it. Maybe I'll start regularly listening to it. Who knows? But anyway, that's kind of what it's for. It's for organizing hopefully events like this pot like this meetup and maybe future meetups, meet future events. Anyway, I've been rambling for way too long already. So let me get to today's guest. Um you can follow Taylor on Facebook, and you can also follow his Instagram at underscore kerfluffled. Uh, that's K-E-R-F-U-F-F-L-E-D, kerfluffled, underscore. So underscore before and after. Um, hit him up, man. If you're redoing an office or if you're wanting to rethink a space or... Uh, if you're just looking, if you're in a funk and you think your room or your environment might be part of it, hit this dude up, talk to him. Um, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. And uh, hopefully we're going to do more podcasts in the future. I really enjoyed having him on as a guest. It uh, it was fun. I had fun. I think he had fun. So 
anyway, hopefully we'll do this again in the future, and I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining me on the Panhandle Primate Podcast. This is episode number five with Taylor Wydell. What's up? Did I pronounce your last name right? Wydell. Wydell? Close enough. Close enough, dude. Yeah. I'm all over the place with my pronunciation. <laughs> so all good. Well, right on, man. Well, um, you are officially my second guest that I've ever had on the podcast, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I never really thought I'd actually start a podcast, but... Now it started, you know, and now yeah. it's rolling. So, uh, anyway, I was thinking I was going to start by asking you, um, there it is, sorry, by asking you to describe your current job. Okay, well, so I work for a company here in Amarillo called uh, General Office Supply, and so really I'm a, just a glorified salesman, but... Um, what I do, my primary focus is to find businesses, up-and-coming businesses or, or existing, that uh, want to redo the way that they have their office set up. Whether that's, you know, just replacing furniture that's old or um, actually going to the extent of planning out how they want their business to function. Like... Um, I just got back from Steelcase. So Steelcase is a really big uh, furniture manufacturer that really emphasizes on changing the way people do business in the workplace and how, how um, you know, to keep their, their people efficient and happy. And the way that they do that is by managing the spaces that they have, like uh, making collaborative spaces to where they can come together comfortably um, to discuss things or take a, you know, take their own spot in their own room or, you know, uh, it, they can personalize their own offices to make them feel comfortable. So I travel a lot and, uh, try to meet, you know, these new businesses going in or, or existing ones that want to do something like that. Now, one thing we've we've talked about is both listening to Tangentially Speaking with uh, Chris Ryan. And uh, he has this concept that he's playing around with for that new book, Civilized to Death, mm-hmm. of, uh, like, building a zoo. Like, building an actual zoo for us. It, acknowledging we are animals. Mm-hmm. We are currently inside a habitat, a structure. Like, why don't we actually build the structure the structures around us to benefit us. So it, did, did that have anything to do with, because what did you do before this? How long, or how long have you been um, doing? So I've only been doing this for a little over a year. Before that, I've kind of ventured out. I've, I've worked at banks and everything before that. Um, a friend of mine years ago uh, kind of branched out on her own to do insurance, annuities, and investment accounts. And so I left uh, to do that with her and so I did that for I think four years right at four years and um it was all good but um I just kind of got into this from a friend and so yeah it's pretty new but I really enjoy doing it nice yeah but uh back to your point on, on the zoo that's uh that's pretty pretty spot on you know you want you want your space to be around you you know you don't want to just 
you don't want to just walk into somewhere and hate where you're at. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, decide they don't really want to be there. You know? If, yeah. Well, that, it, is, it is interesting. That's So the, the fire station has seen a recent change. Mm-hmm. It used to be firehouses. Uh, all the old stations, you walk into them and they, you feel like you're kind of walking into a house. You know, it's the way the kitchen set up, the living space. All, you know, it was these large dormitories, single rooms. And now the new ones that have been built... They're built way differently to wider hallways. Um, it, it almost feels like more of a sprawl of a space. And it is so I've been stationed in both now. I've been stationed in an old station and I've been stationed in one of the new stations. And it does have like a different mental effect on you throughout the day. You know, like one, you feel like you're at work more right. versus the other one, you feel like you're more at home yes. in that space, yeah. you know? So it is, It is, you know, I think uh, with Office Space and, you know, seeing those movies, that's really my only connection to, like, actual office, mm-hmm. you know, uh, culture or whatever. I've never worked in an office. But I always, that's, like, what always came to mind is, like, man, did they have to make it uh, so uncomfortable? Right. Like, did they have to make it so aesthetically just a beat down it's like you know? oppressive yeah it's oppressive it it is it's almost like it's it's designed to be repressive or oppressive or and not create like creative um environments you know so yeah. like when you you showed me a picture of some of those like group spaces mm-hmm. and I guess one one question uh, is like the science. Is there science and psychology going into? Oh man, you have no idea. Like this, this last thing that I went to blew my mind with how much philosophy and yeah, science and everything that goes into this. It's amazing. Um, you were talking about the the firehouse. The older ones feel like a home. Well, their their showroom is like a home. I mean, you walk in and it's this big, open, clean, immaculate space. The first thing you see is this real modern, uh, like kitchen scenario, um, with this really cool lighting that they do. And so it's, it's very inviting. You walk in, there's, uh, the very first thing is like a very, uh, collaborative, um, desk that has a monitor on it and stuff like that. Kind of like a living room. And then right behind that kitchen is a dining room looking thing with couches and lamps and it's very inviting. And then you get back further in the office and it's just mind blowing what all there is back there. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool. And it it does make you wonder. I've had uh the you know, do you, have you messed around with any like virtual reality type very office little. stuff? Very little. Because, uh, you know, with the Halo lens, the mm-hmm. Microsoft Halo lens, I just, I wonder, you know, we were kind of built into uh, an environment of 40 hours a week, 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. And especially as I've gotten more into, like, creative type, I'm trying to write, um, trying to work on podcasting type stuff, trying to do more, like, creative things and uh, what I found is it's really like the work comes in, 
when it's not flowing. Right. You know, like when it's when it's flowing, when everything's going good, everything's super easy. Mm-hmm. And I I just wonder, you know, so how many hours of human time have been wasted because you come in after lunch and you're in a drab boring old office space and you know you're like just guzzling coffee trying to wake up (laughs) you know but you're like fighting your environment Mm -hmm. you know you're not it's not like you're um like i always picture like a basketball player out on the court and they just seem effortless you know or like they're warming up and you you know they're catching the ball and they do like a little jig little dribble and they do a fadeaway you know and they're just like and they're, you can tell they're completely comfortable in their space. Mm-hmm. But then you look at everybody else who's not a professional, exalted athlete, and it's like you fight your environment all the time. You know, you're fighting your chairs, you're fighting your, you know, your back's hurting, your this is hurting. It doesn't, it doesn't feel That's the same, true. you know? Mm-hmm. It, it'd be... Sorry, my mom's coming to pick up my kid, and I think that was her <laughs> hollering. But uh, anyway, yeah, and we got the dogs. That's another thing I've been struggling with. I really want to eventually get like a, a pretty solid studio. Yeah. Because like right now, um, I know this might it's picking up the highway and it's the dogs and uh-huh. I've got crickets. You yeah, know? I listen to your your other podcasts, all all three of them. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Wait, thanks. were there four? Yeah. There's four. Yeah. yeah you're. The ramble one through three, and then the yeah, I have three rambles, and then uh, kind of a little bit of a butchered. Uh, so I had my paper filled out, mm-hmm. all my questions for Aaron, mm-hmm. and for some reason I don't know why it was just like a dumb moment. I just did not bring the questions, uh. so like we went in all these different directions, and yeah. then at the end it was like I had this guest that I didn't get to actually pull out. Like she. She even dropped, like, there were several times I could have taken, like, she talked, dropped out, like, I can tell you about some esoteric artists and all. She works at the Museum of Modern Art yeah, in New York City. I've been there. Do you, have yeah, you? Well, okay, what do you think about that style of artwork? Man, when we went, it was a, um, they, they had, like, an exhibit on fashion, and so I didn't really resonate with it too much mm. until we got to, like, the the 60s and the hippie movement kind of deal because man I'm, i've always been fascinated with all mm-hmm. that so that part to me was awesome and then they had some like live exhibits too where this there was this uh woman in there that was making these um very realistic animal heads that can be worn by humans so uh i forgot what her name was the artist but she she was working on um this one and it was this gigantic buffalo head and it looked legit like completely legit and then she had uh, all the photography and stuff of this guy wearing it in the woods and man it was really insane all the work that went into it and just she was using several different things to make it like you would think it would just be like a plaster mold and then do all the stuff but it was i mean she was using all sorts of stuff latex and stuff like rubber and yeah yeah. it was crazy yeah it it isn't it is like pretty cool to see artists that are doing stuff like that mm-hmm. because on the on the baseline of it it's like it doesn't make any sense why are people paying for a picture of a dude wearing a but sure it it gives you something yeah like it's 
and I think it goes back to like the office space. Mm-hmm. You know, like people would say, why would you waste money on that? Mm-hmm. But time is money. And if you can make your employees' time better, yeah, then you're going to make more money from that time, you mm-hmm. know? So it is kind of interesting, like, how nothing is like uh, like a one, it's one-legged stool or whatever. You know, it's all three legs. You know, it's you've got to have a wide base in order to, to prop something up. Sure. And, like, with artists, you've got philanthropists. You've got uh, institutions like the Museum of Modern Art. You've got all these different institutions that are built up to where you can have an artist who is a weirdo and doesn't fit into society properly, <laughs> you know? It gives them an outlet and a, a way to, like, make a living versus just being a weirdo and, and you don't fit in anywhere mm-hmm. and you end up, you know, working a normal job that you hate because you're not living, you know, you're not doing you the right. proper way, you you're know? Not even, you're not able to put that out there anyone yeah yeah it's it's interesting how things are sort of changing away from the cubicle farms and you know just this drab uh feeling of offices and and they're doing it with education too they're making it to where you know tables aren't just a sit down in your hard you know little desk that you might barely fit in and have a table right in front of you that you can't move now they're they're making it to where everything moves the kids chairs can move or they'll have little things under their desk that they can swing their legs on if they're getting uh like a feeling stale you know mm-hmm. they'll have something to do and so it's there's a lot of changes that are gonna come into play that are probably gonna blow people's minds from the past well see and i want i i wonder how much like part of the reason I'm starting a podcast is because I believe I really believe it's like the medium of the future. Oh yeah, because uh, where where one person might connect with my podcast, another person won't connect at all. Mm-hmm. But there is a podcast out there that, like we were talking with Shannon beforehand, right? She she has a certain style of podcast mm-hmm. that she connects with, and other people have you know different. There's but there is the option oh. is endless, you know? Yeah. And so what I was thinking would be really cool is if you got some of these people like uh, astrophysicists, like kind of like Joe Rogan does. Mm-hmm. He brings all these different people on and he engages them in an interesting conversation that is relevant for dummies, you know? Um, and it, it brings it into a – it brings that art the knowledge, whatever, into a realm where where I can digest it. Sure. You know, it makes it digestible for a normal guy. And interesting for and you. And interesting and fun. Mm-hmm. And then you start thinking about all these different things and your creative juices. So they might talk about something that has nothing to do with firemen, like firefighting. Mm-hmm. But I might hear something that they say and be able to incorporate it. And it... It all comes down to being a little bit more productive, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you can just be a little bit more productive in your daily life, like changing an office building to take one person. I mean, the difference between a company going bankrupt and being a billion-dollar company might be one one employee having an idea, you know, at the right time within the right framework, mm-hmm. you know? 
And I think that's why Apple and Google is that kind of where this the office movement like is. I, I feel like Google. I've always heard like, oh, it's you know, you go in there and there's bean bags and right. people are playing ping pong. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know if they started the movement, but they're definitely a part of it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's crazy how how it can all change so suddenly, but a lot of other companies are getting on board with that and I really think that within the next decade or two you'll see I mean you'll walk into an office and be like this isn't anything like I pictured you know it's it's gonna be crazy it really is well and it and I think what it's so funny man because going from talking like just a generation before Mm -hmm. like if I was to sit down with my dad Mm -hmm. Or my father-in-law, they would say work is not supposed to be fun. Right. You know, <laughs> like you're going there to do something that sucks uh-huh. for money, so that you can do something that you enjoy with the money. You know. Sure. But but it's it's work sucks. You know. And I've always like bucked that because honestly, when you're working with a good group of guys. Or in a with a good leader, mm-hmm. building a fence is fun. Yeah, absolutely. Digging a ditch is fun. Mm-hmm. You know, or rock climbing, which is nothing but work. Mm-hmm. It's work from the second you leave your house to camping to hiking to climbing to getting injured possibly to like getting frustrated and all. But the whole time it's fun. I can't wait till I go on my neck or mountain biking. Yeah. You know, you can't wait to go on that next hard. It, it's almost like the difficulty of it makes it more fun. You yeah. know, Joe Rogan talks about that with Cameron Haynes when they're talking about hunting. You know, they go out there and freeze their asses off and have the best time of their lives. You mm-hmm. know, they're out there constantly on the move, carrying, or carrying heavy stuff around, you know, just trying to get the job done mm-hmm. but you know they're having a good time doing it even though everything's against them yeah and it's almost it's almost the uh like we get so obsessed with being comfortable in everything that i think we so you you talk to the old guys from well, I, I don't talk to any 100-year-old guys, you know. <laughs> yeah. But people that lived during harder times, less technological, less technologically advanced times and stuff, and they very rarely talk about how hard it was. Typically, they have, like, a very reminiscent, like, nostalgic view of it. Like, yeah. oh, you know, That's true. I got one candy a month. <laughs> you know, we were happy about it, mm-hmm. you know, and they talk about it and it's almost like a, it's a, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like the way that they refer to it, it's almost like the, uh, like with, within the suffering, you can find a sort of resilience and hardening. It gives you uh validation in sure. your life, you know? And I think that's what now we're forced to look for in extreme sports or just, I mean, I would say sports, but I can't play football now. I'm not going to go put on pads and go throw a, you know. <laughs> Soccer's fun. Yeah. Uh, Ultimate Frisbee, these, like, group sports are fun. But whenever you really get into these individualistics, individualistic, eh, maybe that's a word. Sure. Um, <laughs> you get into these sports, it, like, puts such a uh, spotlight 
on your ego and your person like you, Definitely. you know? And it, it's funny that it's exploded in the ra- last 20 years This at the same rate as technology has increased. You know, it's like technology has increased. Guys are doing way crazier shit than they've ever done. For sure. You know? Like that's, breaking records. That's probably why GoPro took off so fast because – all it takes is one guy with a big set of balls to strap on a camera and go out there and send it, and everyone gets to see it on YouTube, and then they try mm-hmm. to go do it. And, you know, it just, I've always been intrigued by individual sports rather than team sports for that reason. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all up to that person. It is all up to that person, but don't you think, like, that there is a, uh, a crew like mentality around, so, uh, like, Dylan Lamar? Mm hmm. Every single time I see him posting on Instagram, he's with a crew. Like right. It's like a group of guys. Sure. It's almost like nobody's balls are that big <laughs> by themselves, you know? Like yeah. your balls grow exponentially whenever a camera gets involved. For sure. And you get like four or five people around you saying, dude, you can do it, man. <laughs> I know you can do it. Like, you know, it's like the uh, – which I think is exactly how like hunter, hunter-gatherers probably back in the day – when they would go out hunting, I bet it was a lot the same thing. Like, right. dude, we're we're going we're going big, mm-hmm. and if you make the kill or if you do something incredible, everybody's going to remember that forever. You yeah. know, there be legends written about it. You know, yeah. Well, you know, mountain biking—that's what drew me to that completely. Because as soon as you get into it, you start meeting other people that do it, and all you want to do is go ride with your buddies it's not you i don't really take it competitively even though i do race and things like that Mm -hmm. but i i really just do it for fun but it's because of that because you get a group of i mean two weeks ago we went up to angel fire for the last race of the season their fire five race season and uh we had 20 people in our cabin and 17 of those people were riding bikes with me so it's like you meet one then you meet another and then their homies want to ride with you and so yeah, it's an individual sport, but that crew grows and grows and grows. So that's probably, you know, you're probably right. Yeah, it's it's amazing how, like, our society wants to tell us so much that we're individuals. Mm-hmm. You are by yourself. You're alienated from everything around you. But really, when you do your best work is when you have a group of people around you telling you, go for it. Go for it, dude. We got you. You know, like with uh, with rock climbing, dude. Everything in my life is just completely pushy. My dog just pushed in through the door, but um, but yeah, like with with rock climbing, there's been so many times that I get to a point and I'm like, I can physically, I can physically do whatever it is that I'm thinking about doing, mm-hmm. but my mind is saying you cannot do that. And if you can't do that, there's real consequences. But then you have a group of guys around you and say, the consequences aren't real, you know? But don't worry about the consequences. We got you. Like, we're here. Right. We've got stuff set up. You're strong. You can pull the move. Just pull the move, and you don't even have to worry about the consequences. You're setting your own limitations for no reason. Well, see, so I wonder how much of education, our educational system, or work environment is that. Oh, is we are set. We're set and said, don't fail. Don't be like instead of don't be scared to fail. 
Right. Fail. Fail away. Fail almost every time you do something and just do it over. That's how you do. That's how these mountain bikers get so fucking good at mountain biking. Yeah, that's how you is learn. they they do it and they fall. They do it and they fall, and then they do it and then they land it, mm-hmm. and then all of their buddies land it, and then it's on to the next, the next hurdle, the next jump, the next whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a beautiful process. I mean, I didn't have anything about this written down in any of my questions um, at all, but who cares about you know too much of that? So. But yeah, I don't know, man. It it is it is a um, it is a a weird thing to see. Like you see in like you go to Walmart and you see all these people that are afraid to send it. You know, who are afraid to try, who are afraid to be something. Just in life in general. Well, I mean, and I, I guess a lot of this is presumptuous, but you know, you you see somebody that has their 11-year-old kid who's obese run in to get them their the motorized scooter from in Walmart so that yeah. they can ride a motorized scooter into, you know. And it, it's just like, I wonder... So I want to get in better shape. I want to get stronger. I want to get faster. I want to start eating better. Mm-hmm. I Like, I, I was curious. One of the questions I have for down the road here is, is like, do you have any tips for people inside their their homes? Because I think that's what's what's crazy is, you know, it's almost like work ends, we go to the gym, we go to a, an hour long workout, mm-hmm. and then we go home. Our workout stopped. We're no longer thinking about our physical body anymore. So we're going into another environment. Well, I'm gonna go and sit on the couch for three hours after a hard workout. Well, I'm sure that's terrible for your lower back, terrible for your hamstrings. You're not stretching out properly. You didn't properly heat up the joint and cool down the joint and then hydrate. And, you know, like there's all these like little steps that then the next day I wake up and I think, golly, I hate going to the gym because my back hurts so bad the next day. Right. Well, it's not the gym that hurt your back. No. It's sitting in the couch that hurt your back. Yeah. You know? A lot of people, to the, for the back issue, I, I think people don't recognize the importance of their posture. I mean, whether you're driving or just sitting on the couch or even standing, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to be... It's hard to think about that, but really, it's pretty important for your back to to try to keep a good posture. I mean, everyone everyone's guilty of it. You can't yeah. do it a hundred percent of the time, but if you do one thing all the time, like I drive a lot, I drive constantly. Um, I probably drive two hundred miles uh, Tuesday through Thursday each really? day. Yeah, and so one of the things that I work on is just I set. I set the seat up in my Tahoe, like, upright, and I sit upright. Even if it's hurting my my muscles, I still stay upright to where I know that my spine's extended because, like, you see those old truck drivers, man, they come oh, in, they're all hunched uh, up. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they don't – no one's paying attention to that. So maybe that's, that's part of the back problem. You. Yeah, that's what gets you is the things you don't pay – I've right. been uh, up, at the, up at the station – Anytime I'm reading, mm-hmm. I've been sitting in the floor, mm-hmm. oh, which yeah. is weird. And I've gotten weird looks 
Like somebody will walk around the corner and just be like, what the hell? Dexter's sitting on the floor yeah. of a stinking hippie, you know? I mean, like, oh, that's, like same thing. that's like where their head jumps is like, oh, he's a hippie. Like, of course he's sitting on the floor, he's probably, you know? Yeah. Um, but, Nothing you know, like it is, it's amazing to me how, okay, we, we, hit the, we, we hit the weights hard. We go to the gym, we're hitting the weights hard, I'm trying to get super strong. But sitting Indian style against a wall... Will get your back screaming, mm-hmm. and you're not picking up anyway. Yeah. You know you're not doing all this damage or doing all this work. You're literally just sitting. But it's it's my body screaming, like my lower back screaming, my shoulders are you know saying like, dude, go sit in the recliner, like, dude, sit in a chair, you know, like get in a different position. Like mm-hmm. my body is fighting me. Sure. And all I'm doing is sitting. I'm. It's not like I'm ride a mountain bike or it's not like I'm running or running up a hill or anything or you know? overweight I mean you're not you're I'm in not good doing, shape yeah, yeah yeah well yeah that's what that's what blows my mind is I feel like I'm in better shape than the average person right and every single day one of the thoughts that I would say comes into my head every single day is dude I gotta get in better shape I'm out of shape. I feel the same way. I got to eat better. Mm-hmm. I eat really good. Yeah. You know? I got to eat better. I drink a lot of water. Mm-hmm. I got to drink more water. You know? Like, all these thoughts that, like, pop into my head. And and then you see some... And I am very. I'm guess I'm being very judgmental of the people I walk by in the grocery store. But you look into their cart, and they've got an 18-pack of Diet Coke. Oh, man. It's hard or not to judge. eight... 18 packs of Diet Coke. And I'm sitting there thinking, dude, I haven't drank a Coke in 10 years. And these people are drinking probably 12 a day. And it's like, dude, that is so hard on your body, on your mind, on... you know, uh, you you messaged me about if uh, the float tank, Mm -hmm. you know, going into it. And that's one of the things that I think is the most revealing about the float tank is... Like I, you, you know, you lay down and it depressurizes your all your joints, and I was having pops, just really? joints. Yeah, my shoulder popped, my elbow popped. I was having spinal pops all the way down. Wow! Um, and like, I mean, it was. I think partially it was maybe the Epsom salt was kind of relaxing my muscles a little bit, and but. I think a large portion of it was that my joints are always under pressure, even sleeping in, in a bed. Mm-hmm. You know, your joints have pressures on them and stuff. Right. And uh, what was interesting, you know, you, you don't, you want it to be these big, like, for instance, whenever I was 16, I took my first dip of tobacco. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, dude. This is a joke. Tobacco, it can't be that bad. It's legal. You know, like, it can't... And I took a dip and, dude, it rocked my whole world. You know, it... it, Like, I was puking. It was terrible. And I was sitting there thinking, like, something so small can affect my whole system. You know? We constantly pop these little pills. Like, uh, you take ibuprofen, right? Mm -hmm. Little bitty pills. And they they loosen up your whole body. And we don't think about... We, we like to think, oh, it's legal, it's sold at the grocery store, it's not affecting me that much. Like, oh, they wouldn't sell Coke if it was really bad for you. Right. They wouldn't do that, you know. They, they'd keep it locked up with all the prescription medication, you know. But no, they sell it like it's 
good for you. Mm-hmm. Diet Coke? Oh, it's Diet Coke. Yeah. Like, I can drink Are that. Are you going to diet? Here's fine. a Coke. <laughs> yeah, it's fine with, you know? Yeah. It is crazy. It's almost like, uh, like you were saying earlier, oppressive. Like, our institutions around us are oppressive. You know, the advertising, the all this stuff is almost wanting, making you make bad decisions. It's almost like encouraging you to make bad decisions. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. That's that's one reason, back to the sports thing, that's one reason why I can't get into football or any of that because you have to watch all those damn commercials to, to enjoy it. Unless you go to the game. I do enjoy that. Mm-hmm. If you go mm-hmm. to a professional game, I like I love the Dallas Stars hockey team. I go to a professional game. That's awesome. But if I have to sit there and watch that on TV and watch – 13 Tide commercials and trying to sell me a Camry and why I should take Zoloft. Screw that, dude. I know. I can't stand it. I know. The, it drives me crazy. You have these little, like, they, I've noticed that they've, uh, all the medications, they've started making the organs cartoons. Oh, like, that's it's like a, good a little, point. like a little yeah, cartoons chasing that. you around. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, and, um, or car- all of its cartoons. Like yeah. The people in it, too. Yeah. A lot of the people in it are cartoons. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it's kind of. I'm trying to remember who who said it. I've listened to too many podcasts, but they were talking about how the stomach is uh, the third brain. Yes. So you've got your brain in your head, which has a lot of neurons. Your heart has a lot of neurons, and then your stomach actually has a lot of neurons. And I want to say this might be BS. Google it, I guess. But. Um, I want to say they said that the stomach has more neurons than the brain. I think you're thinking of um, Dr. Rhonda Patrick on the Joe Rogan Experience because she was talking about um, gut flora. Yeah, gut flora. Yeah. So. Well, that that's interesting too. And I don't know if it was on that podcast. I think it was where they said if you blint up a human mm-hmm. in a big giant human blender and you looked at all the cells afterwards and separated all the cells out, you'd have more bacterial cells than human cells. That, yeah. So, like, cells that the human body, that are, that are human cells, you'd have more bacteria in that, in that mixture. I don't remember would. that, but that's a trip. Yeah. Which, I mean, it, it's like who's running the system. Right. You know, like, what, what is actually... And you wonder, like, some, all right... I guess not to be presumptuous. I wonder sometimes, man, why do I feel like shit? Mm-hmm. Why am I thinking that I'm a loser? Or why am I this? Or why? And you you get all this, and it's like, well, am I thinking with my brain? Maybe my stomach is saying, you're a fucking loser. Mm-hmm. You ate greasy ass food for lunch, greasy food for dinner. You know, you're not drinking enough water. You're this and that. And it might be my stomach saying, dude, you are striking out. Right mm-hmm. now, you know? So, not to get too personal, but um, when that sort of arises, like that dude, you're a fucking loser thing, what is it about? Like, what is is it about just life in general or just... What? I don't know, man. It, it's hard. It, it is. I think it's a life in general. It's relationships. Mm-hmm. So, I think um, I could be better to my wife. Mm-hmm. I could be a nicer person to my wife. I could be a nicer person to the people I work with at work, you know, or uh, I realize that I'm letting somebody down that is counting on me, and I didn't even realize I was letting them down. Yeah. Like, the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, man, 
this person is so mean to me, this person's this, this, and I'm like projecting all of these emotions on them, mm-hmm. only to realize, oh, dude, I'm not nice to them. Yeah. I'm not courteous to them. I don't go out of my way for them. So I'm getting mad at them for not going out of their way for me, when in actuality, the, the problem is I'm not going out of my way for them, you know? So I, I think and that's like maybe one revelation that I've had, but... You know, and then sometimes I think I I load my exercise a little bit too much, so I get really motivated and I really want to be stronger. So in turn, I run three days back to back, and I'm I hit the gym and I do way more pull ups than I should do, or I do all the and then I compound all that stuff, and I don't drink enough water or I don't get enough sleep, and then I'm sore and I'm broke down and I'm tired and then everything's aggravating and you have two or three days where you feel like your whole life is an aggravation. Sure. You know? And then you come out of that and you're like, golly, man, I'm a loser. I'm, I'm striking out, you know? Like, yeah. Or, or I think a lot of it's advertising. I There is a correlation with, like, spending time on Facebook or watching TV. We, we started watching Hulu recently, and they have advertising yes. advertisements on Hulu. So, which they don't have on Netflix. So since we started watching more Hulu, I start getting these car commercials and these, uh, you know, hey, are you insured? Are you this? Worry about this. Worry about this. This is creeping up. This is a monster who's hiding under your bed, you know, and it's like a constant reminder. And you start thinking, there's so many things that I'm not doing that I should be doing. My whole society, it's telling me I should... I should be striving for this or that or whatever, you know. Right, and I right. think it just builds up, you know. And so I, I, you can't, I can't blame it all on the society or like on externals. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of it has to do with not meeting expectations of other things. You I know? see. I see. I think, and I, and I mean, and not doing creative stuff. Yeah. So like, not writing, not do like fifth episode of podcasts. I've been saying I'm going to do podcasts. For three years. <laughs> and I'm on my fifth episode. You yeah. know, it's like, what am I doing? You're five ahead of me, buddy. I've yeah. been wanting to do the same thing, but well, haven't it, made the jump. It is a, it's a, a tricky thing because I want to respect people's time. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody's listening to my podcast, I want it to be time well spent listening to it. And uh, a lot of the time, you know, you sit back I've list, I've actually recorded probably 40 interviews and I listen back to them and I can't put them out. Really? I'm, like, I'm like, no, no, I can't oh, do man. that. I can't do, I can't do that to them. Yeah. Who are they? I don't know who they are, mm-hmm. but I can't do that to them, whoever they are. I see. You know? It's kind of weird, man. A lot of pride goes into it. You oh, listen sure. I listen back to myself, I'm like, I sound like an idiot, you know? And so that that kind of hits, you know, you kind of like, I don't really want to put it out. But, but man, it was just, I had to take the plunge, man. It, that's really what it came down to is, is I, and I think it was, it has to do with this like depression type stuff that bubbles up mm-hmm. occasionally. It's like, you hit this point where you don't feel like you're doing anything for for yourself or for other people. Right. You're just kind of in your own little shell and you're isolated and you're you know clammed up and i think your posture i'm sure changes mm-hmm. and and just your 
projection of the world changes. Right. You know? But then you start doing creative stuff. I think that's what's what's cool, and I think everybody should have a podcast. I think I think the way of the future is instead of saying, do you have a Facebook? Mm-hmm. I'll ask you, what's, what's, your, your pod- what's your website? Yeah. What's your podcast? You doing a blog? Like, give me something to support. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell my, I've told several people, and if, I can't feel anybody's support unless I'm giving them something to support. I like that. Give me something to support. That's yeah. cool. And yeah. and as soon as you do that, you're probably going to do something interesting. Mm-hmm. Whether it's talk like my next door neighbor uh, is a nerd, big time nerd, nerdum, or he has like a term for it. <laughs> but dude, you ask me any questions, Star Wars, this, that, and he will just dive off into this geek world that I really only get to experience through him, you know, yeah. or through like a couple of pages on Facebook or something. But you talk to him about it, and it's like, dude, you should have a you should have a podcast. On nerd stuff, absolutely. Because you've got it on somewhere. Lock. Someone loves that. Oh, dude, all in. Yeah, there's seven billion people in the planet. I'm sure that there's a few that would like to listen to that. You know, I have a list of podcasts that I listen to that I can't get to them all. I mean, I listen to probably three a day, mm. almost three a day. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's my favorite thing. What do you think you get out of it? Well. You're talking about the the push for creativity. I would say I, I started listening to podcasts in 2012, right when I got into riding bikes. And before that, all I cared about was um, hanging out with people, you know, and drinking and partying and doing all this and that. But I'd say I'd say listening to, to podcasts and riding bikes pushed me to completely change my personality strengthen my relationships, change the person that I wanted to be. Um, you know, uh, I always wanted to just nail some job that I'm going to make good money and I don't care what it is, just money, 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 buy things. That's kind of changed a lot for me. Like, I really don't, like, I want to make money. I want to support my family. I want us to be comfortable and get ahead, but Man, it, it, it does it does push you to be creative. It does push you to think for yourself instead of, you know, what TV tells you to think about, what the news tells you to think about. And that's what I like about it. It, it really is a push to creativity. And so, yeah. What, uh, 2012, what was your first, what, what was your introduction into, like, the world of podcasts? Joe Rogan. So, okay, so <laughs> this is what's interesting is I'm pretty sure mine was around my uh, conversion was probably around like 2012 as well. Uh-huh. And it was uh, one of my friends, Austin Tipton, said, hey, have you listened to Hardcore History? Oh, yeah, Dan Carlin. Dan Carlin. He had mm-hmm. Wrath of the Cons was on <laughs> Tremendous. There. And he had told me about it. And then... I can't remember. I think one of my other buddies was like, dude, have you listened to the Joe Rogan experience? <laughs> this is hilarious. And he told me, wow, this is hilarious. And then mm-hmm. I think they told me uh, it was right when Aubrey Marcus got on and talked about his ayahuasca's, ayahuasca experience for the first time, okay. I think. And, I, and so there was like several episodes mm-hmm. that like – so I scrolled through and picked the episodes okay. that somebody had referenced – like referred me to. Sure. And man, it was like it. It was it was a it was an eye opening experience, 
and then from there it just cannonballed. Like this, I, I'm the same way. I probably listen to at least three a day, and I'm constantly deleting ones that I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm never gonna listen. I yeah. might come back to it. You, you know, time like, for all yeah, you don't have enough time for it, and it's such an interesting medium because it's it's different than any other form of of media like input because I'm choosing everything mm-hmm. that I hear. You know, it it's weird, man. It's uh, it's a weird. But 2012, I'm pretty sure that was the same. I was up in my attic, like cleaning. Uh, I just got my house re-roofed, mm-hmm. so all the you know paper and everything had fallen in. So I was up there listening to Wrath of the Cons, sweating my balls off, like with running a vacuum cleaner, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was like as soon it was like podcasting completely changed in my mind. And I think it was. 2012, man. Yeah. You know, uh, what do you think? This is, might be a little bit of a tangent, but December 21st, 2012 was the date that the mind calendar indicated <laughs> would be this huge changeover. Yeah. And I feel like 2012 was this, like, at least in my life, uh, is the year, it's the year I met my wife, mm-hmm. you know? It's the year I started listening to podcasts. It's like, all a lot of stuff happened in 2012 in particular, but it seems like since that year, all of this stuff, like uh, Sex at Dawn. I don't know what year that came out. Do you know what year that came out? I think it was 14. 14. Pretty sure. All these like huge paradigm shifting concepts mm-hmm. like came into the world around 2012 to now you know like 2010 to 2020 is going to be like a ridiculous year to look back at Mm -hmm. in the future you know with uh with all the different technological and like gravitational waves and all of this colliding particles for the first time at cern yeah yeah all of this different stuff has happened in a very short period of time and i don't know do you think that could be coincidence um, I don't know. I, I'd like to think that it happened for a good reason for me, but I don't know. I, I, think, I think they'd been around before then, so... Uh, but I, I think you're seeing more and more people that are into that sort of thing. Like... You want uh, another beer? What's that? You want another beer? Why not? Okay. So now I'm playing, uh, we're going to leave you with a song, Ockerville River Band, off their 2007 album, Stage Names. This song is called Our Life is Not a Movie or Maybe. It says Our Live, but I'm going to assume it's life. So enjoy. bad movie where there's no crying handing the keys to me in this red lion where the love that you locked in the sweet scissors no prying when the breath that you breathe in the street screams there's no science So there's no climax 
No more new territory So pull away your Macs In the slot that you sliced through the scene There was no shyness In the plot that you passed through your teeth There was no pity No Masterpiece comes serenely dribbling that song it's pretty dope but anyway all right so to continue on with the conversation uh, i was asking uh taylor if he had anything he wanted to get to in the conversation yeah yeah so i don't remember which one uh it was it might have been one of your rambles but it could have been your interview um but you you were saying that you were afraid to die Mm. why i don't know man whenever i was a little kid it 
It's actually one of the clearest memories I have from when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. I used to, uh, I used to like bundle up, and I think it was actually firefighting training. I didn't realize it at the time, but I'd bundle up underneath my blankets, and I'd just be sweating, scared to death, and just breathing. Like mm-hmm. I would just leave a hole for my mouth to breathe out. Other than that, I was like bundle up under the covers, just scared. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why. And I remember having the realization in one of those where I was just scared in the room uh, that everybody I knew was dead. Like, pretty much already dead. Wow. Like, bef- what what was before I was alive? Mm-hmm. What is after I'm alive? What happens to my parents when they die? What happens to my sister when she dies? Wait, everybody I know is going to be dead. Gone. Black. I don't remember before I was born. I probably won't remember whatever that means after I'm dead. Like, it ends. It's done. It's finalized, you know? Yeah. I think I think whenever... <clears throat> uh, I wouldn't say that I'm currently scared to die because that thought doesn't come through my mind a whole lot. Like, it's not like I'm, I focus on dying. But I don't know, man. It's just something about the finality of it. It's I like, see. You know, it's like... You're done. Even yeah. if there's a life beyond the grave or what, or if you like just meld back into the, the God, you know, the spirit, you know, you're some, you will be something different. Your, your neurological computer is no longer running. So it's like if I write a Word document on my computer and I, I email it to myself. And then I smash this computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might still be able to open up that Word document and access it, but it won't be on this computer anymore. You know, it'll be on a different computer. It'll be in a different experience. <laughs> I you see. Know? So it's just, I think the uh, the uncertainty of the endeavor, you know. I've also mm-hmm. had dreams where I knew I was dead and in the dream. Like I woke up in the dream and I knew I was dead. And it's like uh, a little wave of terror terror washed over me Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was instantly like what about all the people I love but then I realized well if I'm here if I'm still thinking and I know I'm dead then they'll probably still be able to think whenever they're dead so what's to worry about yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, sorry to lead in with such a deep question oh yeah you said that and I was just like man I wonder I'm gonna get in this guy's head about that yeah I don't know I and like I said, I don't know if I'm like really scared to die so much as um, the uncertainty of it all. You know, I think a large portion of it is our culture mm-hmm. around us um, has led us to think that everything's in control. Our political system is in control. You know, your 401k, that's in control. You know, your <laughs> mortgage, you have insurance. If you get hurt, you have insurance. It's all in control. You know, like everything's gonna be okay and i think you whenever you let in that you crack open the door of uncertainty which i think comes from thinking about death Mm -hmm. you know thinking about your little kid after you're dead like what if i was to die tomorrow what would happen to my little kid he's a little baby he wouldn't even remember me dude he wouldn't even have any concept of who i was you know and so it's like little things like that that whenever you really get to thinking of the the uncertainty of every single day, it's exhilarating and it's terrifying at the same time. It's almost as exhilarating as it is terrifying until you like 
master that, whatever. But, oh, I see. I yeah. see. I think I think the exact opposite of you on that. I think that I think the um, the idea of uncertainty is intriguing. Like, I mean, not like I want to wrap this thing up tomorrow and die or nothing, mm-hmm. but I think that it's interesting how all that works, and just the unknown to me is just mind-boggling. So it doesn't, it, it never invokes fear in me, I yeah. guess. So when you said that, I just I was like, man, I I gotta find out why. Yeah, I wonder I wonder which one I wrote I said that in because I'm trying to remember back. <laughs> so often, man, that's the biggest problem with myself is I forget what I said almost instantly. Yeah, <laughs> it's better to record it because then I can actually go back and yeah, like, like hear hear what I even said or thought, you know, at the right. time. But it's weird to rewind. Oh, dude, it's it's terrifying <laughs> in itself to rewind, yeah. man. But. I'm kind of even dreading listening to myself on this because mm. <laughs> I've never done it. It's a, podcast, a trip, so. dude. It's a trip. Yeah. The the more you listen back to your own voice, it doesn't sound the same. Right. Like, it, it's really, really weird. Yeah, I heard myself on one of Courtney's voicemails the other day, and I was like, that's not me. Like, that does not sound like I think I sound. Yeah. You, you have this uh, view of how you might sound and Mm -hmm. it's never the same it's never and then you like wonder how does anybody actually listen to me you know like i hear my own voice i'm like dude that is obnoxious like i would never (laughs) listen to me you know if if i was just some random dude i would not let myself talk i'd just be like look yeah well to your credit uh courtney i told her i was going to be on the podcast and she was like oh well play it i want to hear it i want to hear what you know dexter sounds like so i played for a little bit uh while we were driving to um taco tuesday yesterday and nice she was like oh yeah that's gonna be good so cool dude so, yeah i'm psyched man it, <laughs> it's one of those things like it always blows my mind like i've gotten it you know this is a phenomenon i think somebody should look into because i think i'll uh i'll have my like website and i can see how many people go to my website so i po- i post a blog onto my facebook and I can see how many people click on the link on my Facebook, go all the way to the page, the blog page, and they don't click like on the post. Oh, yeah. That's human nature. Why? It's annoying, though. <laughs> it's, it's so weird to me. Like, I, And then uh, do you follow any Mixed Mental Arts the yeah. podcast? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I'm in that facebook group mixed mental arts okay. facebook group i'm not that deep in it but yeah yeah and uh so i i go to their page and i read it and dude it'll be like one of those things they have a ton of members and they'll post a post you know somebody from the community asking a question and there will be like three likes on the page and i'm sitting there thinking there's probably 500 people who scrolled past this post and all it would take is a click. Yeah. Eek, like, boom, support, whatever. And they withhold it. Why would you withhold something that has no value? It does have value. Right. You right. know, the more the more likes I would get on a blog post, the more people see it. Mm-hmm. So if I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see somebody that I I don't I don't want to read your blog, but I support you. I'll just click like. Yeah. I, without even reading the blog. Right. I, I, sometimes I get on that mixed mental arts and I just hit like on four or five. And if I read the title, it sounds interesting. They proposed an interesting question. Like. Boom. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to look into it. Maybe I'll look into it later. It files it for me. Right. I can go back and look at my likes. You're not mindlessly clicking like, though. You're you're supporting it because you know it should be supported. Right, right. Yeah. It's a conscious... It's like a currency. Mm-hmm. Likes are currency. Absolutely, you know? especially in this sort of thing. Yeah, and that's so weird. It's so interesting. It's so interesting to me because it's like when you get something for free... So, like, let's say we go to, like, uh, they, they do these social experiments all the time. I can't quote any off the top of my head. But where they'll go to, like, a room of kindergartners. And they'll they'll take the kindergartners, they'll separate them into four groups. And they'll say, you get one cookie, each kid gets one cookie. This group, each kid gets four cookies. And in this group, each kid gets ten cookies. Right? You just got them for free. We just gave them to you. Now, what do you want to do with your cookies? You know, and they ask them these questions. And the kids that have one cookie are like, well, I want ten cookies. You know, <laughs> these that group got ten cookies. And the group that got five cookies are thinking, well, I didn't get ten cookies, but I didn't get one cookie. You know, so you instantly, like, start leveling, you know, everybody builds this hierarchical social structure around cookies, getting cookies. It's like... Wait a second. You know, like there's <laughs> there's nothing there. It's just you gave these kids cookies, but they instantly the natural progression is to build this imaginary world, mm-hmm. this hierarchy, this power, you know? Yeah. That's their first instinct, you know? And it's just it's in and then you give the most advanced civilization that has ever walked the face of the earth to our knowledge. And you give them social media. To where they can give as many likes out as they want. Doesn't hurt them at all. Mm-hmm. Doesn't take down their credit. Doesn't nobody really sees it unless you know. But they don't like. They don't give the like. Mm-hmm. It just blows my mind. Yeah. I I can't quite figure out. Yeah, you'll see the views or the number of views and then the number of likes, and it's like what? I've seen that on uh on your page on Emerald Mountain Bike. Yeah. I'll look at it and it's like. There's a huge community that it's reaching, mm-hmm. but then the the input into the actual system, which takes nothing, is very little, like, not very little, but in relation, you know, it's a very small proportion of the people that are engaged in it. Right. And I think, like, uh, Patreon with uh, podcast support and stuff, that's mm-hmm. what's so interesting is Dan Carlin says a bucket show. That dude gets, like... Probably a million downloads oh, per show, yeah. And so, if every single person gave a dollar, he would be a millionaire, man, multi-millionaire. Dan, Dan Carlin's podcast is definitely worth a dollar an episode. Yeah, I mean, dude, he needs to break them up. Yeah, I don't understand why he's doing these eight eight hour episodes. It's like break them up into three. It's like an audiobook. It is an audiobook. And some of them I can't even comprehend. Okay, so like Wrath of the Cons was. Awesome. Mm. Um, I can't remember what his what his one. Uh, I f- forgot what the title of it was for. Uh, I think it was like some Greek stuff, but I, I I couldn't listen to that one. Honestly, it was too advanced for me. Really? <laughs> it, was like, too- it was just too much. Hang on, let me see which one that was. Yeah, uh, dude, King you- of Kings. The King of Kings. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, that one was dope, man. Maybe I just didn't give it the. Uh, the attention that it deserved, but I, I got oh, dude, probably the six names, hours into it. The, the names, names and that's it. Yeah, because he, he ends with the Battle of Thermopylae, right? The Battle of 300, me. right? Then, like, because he talks about how it's, like, all about the Persian Empire, mm-hmm. right? And 
So, like, this is one of the things that I wish, is I wish that there was a way to get credit for listening to Dan Carlin's, like, podcast. <laughs> because, really, you get through the end of listening to that, uh-huh. and if you really, like, feel like you can process that information, like, it's loaded, man, with world oh, it's history. Insane. It's insane. So you almost need a notebook. Yeah. It's crazy. You need a notebook. Yeah. You really need, like, to take notes, like, have show notes, maybe, mm-hmm. like, to be able to, like... And then he references so many different peripheral, like, information and books and all... I mean, it's an amazing uh, resource that he just gives away. It is. You know? It's intense. But if he if he had... If he had the support from... So, and I'm guilty of it, you know, of listening to these shows and not giving anything. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, man, it's like, I don't know, it's hard to to quantify the value. Well, yeah. Really, it's probably priceless. I mean, if you think about, like, where you were in 2012 versus where you are now. Right. You know? Oh, like, absolutely. the amount of life change and really changing the world. I mean, like, Joe Rogan's experience, like, the Joe Rogan experience is, like, really um, a love-hate relationship for me. Because... I love the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have these Graham Hancocks or Rupert Sheldrake or Duncan Trussell goes on. You know, you have all these different guests that go on there, and it's just boom, blow you out of the water. It's awesome. And then he'll have a neuroscientist on, and which I'm probably doing like too much of in this uh, in this episode is like of rambling. But then Joe will like ramble for twenty minutes. And it's like, dude, you have a neuroscientist right there. Oh, you know? yeah. It, but you ramble, you know, It's which is hard. I mean, I, I'm actually like trying to consciously, that's part of the reason I'm trying to write down notes and stuff, mm-hmm. is to make sure I'm not rambling too much. Like Shannon, me and Shannon were talking, <clears throat> or, or Shannon and I, shit, that's <laughs> going to get me in trouble. Shannon and I were talking earlier today, and uh, she was saying the only way you can mess up today is by talking too much. That's true. And it's true. I feel that. It's true. The only way you can get... It, but it's only talking. Mm-hmm. But the guest needs to be talking more than the host. That's what people, I think, tune in for to a podcast more so than anything else, you know? Yeah, well, that was that was something that I was actually going to give you props on because, um, you know, just listen. I personally could not sit down. I, I don't think. I haven't tried it yet, but I don't think I could just sit down on my own and just talk. And so that I got to give you props for that because I yeah I mean I, I feel like I can lead a conversation you know yeah I could interview someone but just like you're you're single uh, the rambles I can't I don't think I can no you no I bet you can man it's maybe it, so like I'll show you real quick just the so like these are my show notes for that okay for for one of the I can't remember which ramble that was. But yeah, so like, you know, you, you kind of write, and my, my biggest problem is shutting up. Like, you, you could probably talk to some of the guys I work with. I actually got a compliment from one of, my, one of the guys I work with, and we were talking about Christian theology or the development or of, you know, and I, I, I'll get on these kicks where I'll listen to like six hours of Terrence McKenna you know, videos, or I'll listen to six hours of Rupert Sheldrake, or I'll die, you know, and I dive into these things, and then I can, like, just regurgitate, like, word vomit, literally, like, for for two hours. I mean, I could talk, mm-hmm. no joke, uninterrupted for two hours. Well, that's it, though. It's not word vomit. It's, you're making a point. It's not mm-hmm. like you're just sitting here talking about, you know, 
just nonsense yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that a lot, man. Like that's that's actually so the the hardest thing about any have you listened to the most recent Duncan Trussell podcast? Yeah, I listened to it with this Alex morning. and Allison Gray. Yeah. That so the whole time I was sitting there listening to that podcast, it was like ringing so true <clears throat> because Duncan kept trying to bring them into what about the average man? Mm-hmm. What would you say to the average guy? And they were saying, do something creative. There is no average man. We so since we have this analytical side of our brain, we can we can build these mathematical concept like uh, constructs like these uh, these concepts that don't actually exist. We can draw them on paper. We can create these three dimensional. We can create a three dimensional world on paper in words in formulas. You know. We do that same thing with ourselves, and we like to like pretend like there's an average. There's an average man. There's uh, really great men, and then there's really dumb men, and then there are average men. That doesn't exist. Each person does their own spin. Sure. You know? So there, there is no like perfection. And I think – so that's why I talk a lot about the Garden of Eden. You've got the knowledge of good and evil is what ruined man. Not good and evil. Right. It's the knowledge of good and evil that ruined man. You know? Yeah. So it, it's See it, that? it's not it's not their being a best and being a worst that ruins man. It's the concept that I'm somewhere and I, where you place yourself on the scale is where you are. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So so it's the knowledge of good and evil that ruined man, not 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 good and evil. And so sometimes I'll going back to the question about why am I depressed sometimes or whatever. You get to feeling average. You get to feeling normal. You mm-hmm. get to feeling whatever mediocre. Sure. You know, not ex- not extraordinary. But it's like so far we're the only intelligent. We're the most intelligent life that we've ever come across. Sure. Each human being, the baby inside. Which I guess Emmett's not inside, but the baby. The baby in your house is the smartest person in your house. Hands down. Like, all the science points to that, linguistics, all of it, it says that that baby, that computer in that baby's brain is doing more than your brain. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's learning at a faster rate than you can learn. It's assimilating, it's building, it's constructing this entire uh, illusion. Man. You know? <laughs> yeah. Faster than I you can even do it. I thought about that. So, yeah. like, think about the most advanced computer in the world. Tip top, we're talking uh, neuro computer or nano computer, you know, it's just the most advanced thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Your kid is way past that, light years past that. General intelligence. We're that artificial intelligence, we already got it. That's a calculator. Mm-hmm. But general intelligence, where you can show a kid uh, a yellow card and say, yellow, red, blah, 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 blah. Now sit down and paint. Mm-hmm. And the kid goes, oh, blah, blah, blah. And, and they just assimilate everything that they've seen, emotions and the, something, uh, an ant crawling across the sidewalk and all these things that we can't even comprehend, most computers can't comprehend. They do it instantly, you know? Like, so, you're, so you're saying you're, we're too far past 
um, man, how did you even word that? If, uh, like you're saying that they're, they're able to, to take all this in, but not, uh, God, how would you say that? Putting a label on everything. Is that what you're saying? Like with a baby? Yeah. So like, like, like babies are taking everything in. Right. Now they don't have the rules that we've that okay. we have. Yeah. So th- like being being 29, 31, being at a 30 our brain is different. Mm-hmm. You scan both of our brains. Mm-hmm. My brain is excluding stuff. So like I look at I like look out right now and my brain excludes information that isn't sure. important cuz you've it, been around. Right, cuz yeah. I've seen it. So it might that toolbox doesn't look like that toolbox probably. My brain has a built construction of that toolbox cuz I've been around and I've picked it up. I have a guess about how heavy it is and all this different stuff. I have mm-hmm. all this information that's filed away yeah. and it's pulling that information up whenever I see that toolbox instantly without me even, you know. So I'm I'm like living in an illusion because I think that I know everything around me. I have a uh preconceived notion as to what it is because I've been around it before. Okay. So That's... like a kid doesn't have those preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. A kid hasn't picked something up. He doesn't know what it weighs. He doesn't know what uneven f- ground is. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the same hardwired like uh neurological connections that we've that we have sure. over time, you know. And that's like PTSD mm-hmm. and all these different things. It's hardwire that the kid doesn't have. So he's just just like like he's in a, a like the uh, what are they the <laughs> hyperloop just just shooting through this rea- and he's pulling everything in and stuff's not the proper size when he's perceiving it you know right, I, I'm, right. some of the shit's guessing I, I, no I, no I know, you know that but it's like this like the Darth Vader is bigger than Darth Vader actually is in his mind. Right. So whenever he remembers back when he was a kid, oh, dude, I thought that was so much bigger. Yeah. Well, that's because you were bringing Dark it in huge. emotionally, you know? <laughs> like you were reacting to the world emotionally. Yeah. And perception changes based off of your emotional response. That's to cool to think about. You know? I've never thought of it that way, but that's... That, I, I, I get what you're saying. I was thinking, you know, putting things into categories. Like, yeah. I see this flag. It's these colors and it's this shape, so it's this. You know, but really, a, a child—they don't know. They don't know what it it's is. It's just a big, beautiful thing. And yeah, like yeah. They can res- they can live in the moment. Mm-hmm. Versus like the older you get, the harder it is to live in the moment. Yeah, you know, you just can dismiss information as it comes to you right. because you don't have to think about it like that. Exactly. Yeah. So That's cool. <laughs> and it, and and I think if I think you know like um, Jesus said. Um, that your faith should be like a child's faith, you know? And I think a lot of people think, oh, that means it should be naive and it should be undeveloped and it should be um, just, there's no evidence for it. That's why a child believes that or whatever. But I actually think what, what he was referring to is that a child believes in everything, you know? You sit down and tell a child a little bedtime story and they're like, Monsters are real, <laughs> you know. Like they, be- it's like no. Be- start with the belief. Start with the belief in it instead of like we're so skeptical. Like I'm skeptical. 
like uh, went and did that salt therapy where you sit in front of Himalayan sea salt on yes. a wall. I was skeptical. I want to see that. Oh, dude, it's awesome. It's I awesome. See that. It's a good. It's a great experience. Uh, East East Coast salts. Mm-hmm. Uh, third coast. Third. Yeah, third coast salts. Yeah. Have you already looked into it? Have you yeah, looked into them? I'm, well, I've been meaning to uh, get with them about their office, but yeah. oh, dude, you should. They would yeah. be the perfect people to talk yeah. to. I'm also really into yoga and stuff. So yeah, I want to go check out their nice. studio. Yeah, dude, Katie Blake is uh, the teacher there. Okay. The yoga, she's badass. She's awesome. Really good. So, but um, but yeah, I was going into it skeptical. You know, I would I didn't go into it with the raw belief of a child like this is going to change me. You mm-hmm. know, like I went into it like oh, okay, well this was whatever, and I had all these preconceived notions going into it. Versus a child goes into something, and you say, look, <laughs> this this uh, whatever, it's lucky. This rabbit foot, yeah. If you keep this rabbit foot on you, it's lucky. And the kid's like, hell, I'm gonna keep that <laughs> until I die. You know, like they they hold on to it and they put all their belief in this rabbit foot when it has nothing. I mean, maybe it's mystical. Maybe the belief in it is mystical. Like maybe Possibly. that's the aspect. That's but, yeah. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it is. It's a. It's a fun. It's a fun thing to to like. Sometimes I'll look and I'll I'll be cleaning Emmett's mm-hmm. diaper. He just shit all over the place, and I'm like clean. I'm like looking at him, and I'm like, he's a genius. <laughs> he is literally a genius, and I'm like wiping his ass. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like a it's like a little bit of a mind. Oh yeah, a mind jack. You know, I think the same way. Like Beckham, I'm sure your son was the same way, and most kids are. But you're holding him, and he's just chilling, staring at the ceiling fan, and you're like, he's seeing all these shapes just coming to life, and it's. Babies are like little acid trippers, man. Oh, They're just dude. having a blast, they live, taking it, it all in. They live in a psychedelic experience. Yeah, it's you know? like, man, that's, I wish I could see through Beckham's eyes. And oh, dude, if you could seen. put on some sunglasses or like some glasses and it was baby vision. Yeah. Oh, dude, it would be such, so awesome. They should make a virtual reality program that is like <laughs> child vision. Yeah. Where you put it on and you see like the same world, but what a child would see in that world, mm-hmm. you know? know and like that i don't know i think that's it's a terrifying realization that that this little thing is literally taking in everything about you and you cannot hide right you know yeah like your parents did, couldn't hide from you mm-hmm. even if they thought they were hiding from you right you know and you can't hide from your kid mm-hmm. you know it's like it it's transparent even if you're trying to hide they'll see that they'll see He's trying to hide. For sure. Know? It's not a... Yeah. It's scary, man. Kids are <laughs> kids are little aliens, man. Like, just dropping your life, and it's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Where did this thing come from? What is this thing, you know? They're it's, very interesting, though. Oh, dude, too interesting. All right, quick. Uh, we are at an hour 18. So, uh, let's see. Covered, covered. I Okay, so this was one thing I was going to ask you about the office type stuff. Okay. Um, are we all broken men was my question. So the the concept being um, like oftentimes people say running hurts my knees. But they don't say sitting in a chair for eight hours a day hurts my knees. You know? Like, so the the question is like are we – are we all broken and do we need to 
alter our perception and say, how can I be unbroken? Like, how can I heal myself? Man, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that everyone is. I think that some people, they're dealing with things that they don't know how to fix or, or even take the first step into making good decisions for themselves, you know. Um, to the office part of it, though, you know, if, if people are hurting at the office, that's, that's their lifestyle, you know. They're, they're not thinking for themselves, you know. They're just, they're just going in and doing what they got to do, not... Uh, me, personally, if I was in an office and uh, the chair that I had was giving me back problems or I felt uh, uncomfortable... I'd tell them. I'd be like, hey, man, this, this chair is, like, huge and not working for me. So, I don't know. Go out. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> yeah, it, so it's a communication thing. Like, Maybe do, so. do you think most people just keep their mouth shut? Like, they, they're like, I got to go to work. So, instead of going to work and saying, hey, I think this could be better. Mm-hmm. Like, they just go to work and think, oh, this is what it is. It's like a, just an acceptance thing. Maybe so. Uh, some people don't know how to voice their opinions, you know. It's just, it's really up to them. I think if, if people would just maybe take a step back and look at the things in their lives that are bothering them, whether that's their physical form or the way they're feeling or, you know, Maybe things aren't going well at home. I mean, those are all negative things, but, um, man, people can make a change if they want to do it. It's just, it's voluntary. Well, and I think, I think that's one of the things that you would probably do in your work is show all of these changes mm-hmm. can come into your life and don't change your life necessarily. It, it changes it for the better. But you're still going to be in the you can still be in the office for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. But we can make you more comfortable while you're in the office. We right. Can make, we can make you a stronger person mm-hmm. just living your normal day. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something extraordinary. I think people just need to, like in an office environment, people need to move around. You can't just sit in a chair and just expect yourself to be um, efficient and. Uh, inspired if you're sitting in a little space you know you're not oh, gonna dude. be inspired you're gonna have to be for me I mean I want to be around other people I want to talk I want to have fun I don't want to talk about work the whole time you know yeah that's what's gonna make me want to work like if if my boss comes up to me in the morning and shoots the shit with me for 30 minutes then I'm automatically after that 30 minutes gonna be like today's gonna be an awesome day I'm gonna Drink me a cup of coffee, and I'm going to get a thousand things done. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, we're going to stop 30 minutes early and shoot the shit again and go home happy. Yeah. I can't remember who it was saying that uh, they've done studies, and procrastination actually aids in the creative process. So, like, if you start start something... Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were talking about procrastinators in particular. Mm-hmm. They start something and then they don't do it. And then they, they come back. And then at the very end, they have to cram. So they've been having these like little intermittent like, okay, I'm going to think about it for three minutes. Okay, now I'm distracted. Okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. think about it. Now I have to think about it for the next seven hours, you know? 
they've had all of these like starters to where mm-hmm. you know your brain's constantly working. So it's figuring out the problem in the back of your mind while in the forefront of your mind you're playing ping pong or sure, you're sure. running or you're doing whatever. And then when you sit down, you have the answer to the problem because your brain was figuring it out the whole time. Yeah. You know? I could see procrastina- uh, procrastination being a good tool, but um, I think things that are going to bring – like deadlines happen, you know. I need this in three weeks. If you're if you've got it on the back of your mind, what's the best thing to get that off of your chest and to bring it to the forefront is to talk to people about it mm-hmm. or write it down or you know whatever your way of expressing yourself is. For me, it's talking. So yeah. I want to talk to two or three people about what I'm gonna do, and they're gonna have ideas. I'm gonna have ideas, and then it's gonna come together like perfectly. Mm-hmm. And there it is. There's the deadline, and we're, we've got it done. Right. But yeah, I think people get caught up um, in themselves a lot, and and just don't know how to really express that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, dude, we're at we're at two hour or one hour and twenty four minutes. That's so, crazy. Yeah, it goes by fast. <laughs> yeah. You know, it goes by real fast. Well, I'm gonna end it. And I'm gonna play out with a uh, with Mick Jenkins' song. Um, but do you do you have where where can people? Okay, I'll see you down there. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was my wife. She popped in. She's telling me she's going down to the church to eat the free food. Oh, so. nice. But um, where can people follow you or find you? Um, Facebook, of course. Uh, Instagram, I'm at kerfuffled. It's underscore kerfuffled underscore. And then uh, Twitter, I'm flying broham. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. Dude, I, I have not <laughs> been able to get any followers on Twitter. Uh, I've, been on, I've been on like Twitter for maybe a year. Yeah. And nothing. Like nobody, no interest. You get on Facebook, yeah. there's a little bit of interest. but I'm really an Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook kind nice. of person. All right. Yeah. yeah. Snapchat cool. is uh, BuzzKillington810. Buzz Killington 810. Yeah. <laughs> nice. See, I haven't gotten into Snapchat yet. It's pretty fun. That's one plunge yeah. I have not made yet. It's pretty but. cool, I guess. Well, cool, man. Well, I uh, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks for having so, me on. It's all really right. Cool. Uh, until next time, people, chill. Have a good one. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before we end that, I've, I decided one of the things I'm going to do at the end of my shows, top three podcasts. Oh, man. Uh, well, I'm wearing my DTF yeah, shirt. Yeah, Duncan, Duncan Trussell's probably my favorite. Joe Rogan, of course, and tangentially speaking. Yeah, dude, probably the same three for me. I yeah. might, I don't know, Joe Rogan sometimes gets bumped out. But I really like your mom's house, too. It's yeah? ridiculously silly. Dude, I've been silly. hearing so many people tell me to listen to that it's podcast crazy. in particular. That's a good one to watch with your wife. Yeah? I mean, if, if she's got that kind of... I don't know your wife that well, but if if she's got that sort of uh, sense of humor, it's yeah. definitely ridiculous. Yeah, but uh, it's it's hilarious. Nice. Ari Shafir is awesome. Yeah, so, I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts. And so it, okay, so Ari Shafir hat. What's his? Is it just Ari Shafir show? Uh, Skeptic Tank. Oh, Skeptic Tank. Yeah. Okay. Um, nice. There's a true crime one that I listen to quite often too. It's called Sword and Scale. 
Oh, I've seen that one popping oh up. Is it awesome? It, uh, yeah, very, <laughs> very crazy, very interesting. Nice, dude. Kind of depressing sometimes. Oh man, so I depressing. Sometimes that's the best thing to listen yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Depression. So, all right. Well, cool. And leaving you out with Mick Jenkins. So, I uh, appreciate you, people. Have a good one. It's like turning nothing into everything. Starting with scraps and redefining what society thinks is quality. Like who thought up the gold standard? The haves. The have-nots ask not what you can do for them, but what have you done? When you're sick and you're tired or you're hungry and you're thirsty and you take that first bite of drink, you sip slow because truth is harsh and it burns, but it's also addictive. You want more to you. Drink. Mouth. Water. 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 Flooded the market, murdering flows, his blood on the carpet, a crime scene, gave him the light, wait till I turn on the high beams, niggas ain't seeing me, drunk off this water, you might just see three of me, don't greet me as God, my nigga, I ain't no deity, take off them water wings, I'm losing water weight, I've been on creatine, curing my countenance, creating this gold from the lead in my pencil, I think I'm an alchemist, and it's gonna take courage, no cowardly dogs in the pound. We don't want around, no love lost or found. Don't give a fuck about a clown. Build them with the pros, conversation profound. I was down on my luck, but I'm still myself. Drinking all this water, trying to heal myself. No, I keep it real, even still, homie. Just want you to feel it. I don't really ever feel myself. Remember when I had to find a meal myself. Fresh out of jail, crashed at my nigga Slims. He ain't think twice about the shit. The move was a roll of the dice. Know the Lord on my side, cause I'm 63rd nice was a bitch. Always knew that life wasn't this though. Still had to get right. With the wrist rope, this dope With a little light and a pistol Low key, peep high, keep the peace You know me, you know me They say I be talking about water too much You hear that? That's how many fucks I could give Still I got love for a hater Would give up a real They say they confused about gingerbread Come have a sip when it's chill.